Social emotional learning, it's the new way. Where culturally responsive meets innovation. Hey, Dominators, my name is Kristen Hopkins, CEO and founder of Dangers of the Mind, a company that identifies the attacks against your everyday thought life that shifts major progress. I'm a social emotional learning expert, curriculum developer, and social entrepreneur who believes in the holistic development of youth and young adults through culturally responsive and culturally affirming resources. Welcome to Dangers of the Mind. Hi guys, welcome back to another Dangers of the Mind episode. It's your host, Kristen Hopkins. And before we dive into today's episode, let's just do a quick emotional temperature check-in. How do you feel? Like, how do you really feel? What emotions are you carrying in your invisible backpack that no one can see right now? It's important that we stop daily and understand how heavy these invisible backpacks are that we carry. Okay, so I'll share mine. I'm carrying a little bit of tiredness, a little bit of strength, a little bit of love, and a little bit of stress, okay? I also am carrying a little bit of anxiety today because I have a huge presentation to deliver. But let me share that in the first step of self-awareness is identifying your emotions and simply asking yourself a couple of questions every day. What consistently makes you happy? What makes you sad or angry? And how often does it happen? What are the patterns? In our resilient trainings to staff, we touch on how the power, how you own the power of your story through social emotional learning. And the first way you own that power is understanding your value. And until you understand who you are and understand your daily emotions and what's in that invisible backpack, you will not understand where you're going. So I really wanted to stop today and just do a little check-in with you all on your everyday emotions. And I want you to do that at least one time a day for your self-care. This is not what this episode is about today, but every time I think of SEL, I really wish I had these skills. I really wish I stopped and identified my emotions and not like carry this heavy backpack around with me, this invisible heavy backpack of emotions with me around campus. And today's episode is called Grown-ish. And this is going out to all my college students around the world that are listening. Shout out to y'all. But listen, I have a little bone to pick with this generation of college students, though. Yeah, I said it. You can hear the frustration in my voice, y'all. Let's just say that some of y'all don't have the work ethic, nor the drive, the hustle, nor the grind. And it it's unreal to me. I just feel like, where is that? But then again, you know, the social media world we live in makes it look like a microwave success. So this episode is dedicated to y'all because I'm calling y'all grown-ish. And before y'all come at my neck, I was grown-ish right along with y'all while I was in school. But I wasn't as bad because some of y'all that I've been encountering, no shade, but shade. I still love y'all, but y'all are missing the mark when it comes to key self-management skills. So let's talk about this. 
Today, we are going to activate a growth mindset together during this episode, and I'm going to encourage you and allow you to know the importance of mastering these skills in college so that when you get into this adult world, it's less of a struggle for you. Let's go back, way back into when I was in college. I want y'all to picture uh, the scene in Fresh Prince or Martin when the blurry transition came in, where they were thinking about their thoughts. That's me right now as I'm experiencing this right in this moment. Shout out to Delaware State University, Hornets, DSU. I thought you knew what? (laughs) Okay, I'm back. Let me run down the list of all the things I had going on in college. My freshman year, I worked at the radio station in the Mass Comm building, and I interned for 92.7 in the summer uh, at a radio radio show, and I built amazing relationship skills because I went home, I um, was working for 92.7, they said I did so well, so they put me to a um, another radio station, which was all country, and I was like, why would y'all do that? But when I got there, I ended up really enjoying it. And I realized that they had better prizes. We was going, we had better cars. We was going to better shows, you know, like the the 937, the R&B, the hip hop. They only had t-shirts they was giving out. They was giving out cars at the country radio station. Okay. So I enjoyed it. But my sophomore year, I was writing plays for my theater class. I was hosting homecomings. I was mad self-aware. Okay. And I was understanding what I liked about myself. and just how to portray uh, my everyday talents because I love to talk to people. I love to be the center of attention at times. And sometimes I felt like I was being dummy down, you know, growing up. And when I got to college, it was like, no, there's space for you here, sis. Like the communications department, we love you. You know, the PR department, we love you. What you trying to do? You trying to be on camera? You trying to, you know, do the daily news? So I was into everything, you know, and then my junior year, is what really changed my life, y'all. I got the opportunity to travel to Beijing, China, and work for the Olympic trials. And I was there for nine months. I worked with um, Michael Phelps, with water water polo and diving and all these amazing uh, activities. And I was a reporter for um, where I would report for Russia and the U.S. athletes. And so this was a life-changing experience. And what happened during this experience allowed me to literally become the most socially aware person because I remember where I used to go to one of my friends, Giselle's room in our international dorm room, and I would cross my legs and I would sit with her. She was Brazilian. Shout out to Giselle. She's still my friend to this day. She owns a hair factory in Brazil. And she, we would, you know, sit at her and her place. She, I would cross my legs. She would cook for me and we would eat and I would respect her culture and I would learn her culture. And like I told you, I was from HBCU. So you picture seven black kids going to China. That's a different experience. But the one thing that I realized the most before I even got to China was I was in a bad relationship. And why I say bad is because I didn't see at the time that the man, he just wasn't for me. He was mooching off me. He was not even living on campus, um, but he was staying with me all the time. And when I said I want to go to China, one of my friends, I told one of my friends, Brian Smith, shout out to Brian Smith. And he looked at me and he said, you would be crazy if you didn't go to China. And my boyfriend at the time told me, why would you go to China? We just started going out. 
Like, why would you go to China for all these months? He, he did not support it at all. But I went instead, and it was the most amazing experience of my life. And it helped me to be able to understand how to operate and navigate in many other experiences in many other spaces based off of that trip. My senior year, when I came back, Y'all couldn't tell me nothing. I was speaking Mandarin, y'all. I was out here in the chop, the Chinese restaurants, talking to all the folks, getting all the free egg rolls and all the free chicken wings. Okay. It was amazing. And so I just was this inferior. I felt like this black girl that you just couldn't tell me nothing. And um, I went and I said, you know, I'm not going to go back to school. And I said, I'm going to go to the TWC Center because I got an opportunity to go to DC and work for the Washington Center, which is a center for academic seminars and internships. And I went through 30 interviews. I got hired uh, for by a PR firm and I made the best responsible decision that I could have ever made. And I went to do this internship my last semester of college. Many people would have said, I'm staying on campus. This is my last semester. I'm turning up. But me, I saw opportunity. I came back from China and saw opportunity. And I saw that I was different. And I saw that I had a hustle and a grind to me. And it was different from people out that were around me. And so I went. I experienced this amazing opportunity in D.C., you know, one of my old bosses, I still have his cell phone to this day. I, I developed amazing relationships. But the biggest part of that takeaway of that trip was they misplaced me and they had me in Bethesda, Maryland. And my my office that I would go to every day was in Arlington, Virginia. If you know anything about the DMV area, that's an hour and a half train ride one way. So sis was waking up at 7 a.m., catching a train, being to work before nine o'clock. I would always come in early. And there was two other interns that was a part of my program. And they were right across the street. Like they literally misplaced me. So they they were right across the street in the building. All they would have to do was literally wake up, roll out of bed and go to the office. So at first I was very annoyed with them. Like I would, cause it was one Asian girl, one white girl. And I, I liked them. They were cool people. I was just annoyed that they like got the cop out, like the way out. And, but what it, well, after the entire internship was over, I realized that I was so thankful that I actually rode that train every day because what I did and prepared and how I prepared to go to work every day was I used to read the top news. So when I would come in, I would talk to my boss about the top trends in government PR. I would like be ready to pitch out. I would have ideas. I'll be writing ideas before I get to my job, you know, and he saw that. So he started, you know, saying, I want to give you stipends and give you rewards for coming here because he was like, your work ethic is like none other. And that was a part of self-management that I would never take back to this day because it made me who I am. The work ethic, it was building this self-discipline. It was building this self-motivation, this intrinsic motivation because I wasn't getting paid at first. I was out here just trying to do an internship and get hours. I was hustling and he saw the hustle in me. He saw the the um, the fight, he saw the resilience, he saw the hunger, and he saw something in me to say, I'm going to now give you a seed to sow into your life every time you come in here because I respect it and I want to see you win. This episode is brought to you by BlackSEL.org. Have you ever wondered what the Black student experience looked like in today's world? 
who influences these experiences and how are black children truly feeling with the pressures of COVID. Join our Black SEO webinar on the Black Student Experience. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and register. Seats are limited, so act fast. It was even times where I was on Blackboard. Y'all remember Blackboard? I don't even got Blackboard no more. But I was on Blackboard and I was taking my classes online and I had a test. And if I was to go back home, I would have missed the testing hours. And so I asked him, I said, Scott, can I stay here and take my test? And he said, absolutely. He sat with me. It was 6.30. He sat with me. It was literally looking at me take the test and was like, man, you are brilliant, Kristen. And I mean, it was so powerful because he looked at me, he said, I have never seen someone work this hard. And I I, I end up doing um, other like projects with him from the vice president Biden did something at the firefighters uh, convention. And we did a, I don't know if you guys remember the Southwest and the Northwest merger, like Southwest airlines, when they, they like fire all these people from Northwest airlines and they all went to Southwest, but all these people lost their jobs. Yeah. We were a part of that production team. Um, I did stuff with, um, Hannah house, which was a, a foundation in DC that gave away like you know, or it was a battered woman home. I mean, it was just a phenomenal experience because of my self-management skills and mastering my time management, mastering my organization, mastering my self-discipline. So all these things, all these internships from my freshman year to my sophomore year to my junior year built this work ethic in me and allowed me to start practicing how to master social emotional learning, even when I didn't know what this was called. Now, even though I practice these skills, I would still consider myself grown-ish because I had other issues that I still had to tackle, like money management and trying to figure out how I was going, you know, pay my next bill or trying to not, not spend all money on my credit card, you know? So there's a lot of things that we still have to perfect, but knowing how these factors incorporate into our lives are very important and being and identifying this is important as well. I want to really quickly touch on the importance of studies on what self-management looks like in schools. There's a lot of research that specifically speaks to self-management factors that affect us as we go on into our adult years. When I looked at some of these articles on self-management, one that I found is a study on influential factors of college students' self-management based on grounded research by, in this theory by Xiong Shang. The first factor is individual factors, internal and external control types, which are self-efficacy, self-esteem, and self-monitoring. So an important part of self-awareness is self-efficacy. It's about evaluating your performance every single day. So a lot of times we get up and we're walking and we're working and we're going here, we're going here, we got relationships, we got relationships, and nobody's taking the time to say, am I a good friend or have I been a good friend today? Was I a good sister today? Was I a good boss today? Was I a good uh, spouse today? Whatever your role is in society, that's a part of self-efficacy is when you evaluate your performance. It's very important. So that's number one is the individual factors that come into play with self-management and college students. But then you have interpersonal factors, the degree of contact with you know, day-to-day people, the relationships between the power and interpersonal trust. And then you have number three is influential factors of position. Influential factors of position. 
who are influencing you and how, right? So when you look at your circle of people and your circle of friends, how are these people telling you to do better? Are they the ones like, oh, we got to go to this party now, Friday night? Or are they the ones that are like, hey, you know, where do you need to study? You got to study. Let's go to the library at two o'clock. Meet me there. Are they encouraging you to get that project done? Are you there only around for the turn up? Who are the people around you and what does the influential factors look like in your life? And then the fourth one is organizational influential factors. Because when we talk about self-management, of course, we talk about organizational skills and time management. So the type of organizational structure, the type of people that you have and the organizational communication atmospheres that you use are very important as well. These are all very critical to mastering self-management. It is important, and I don't know what's in the water. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I am confused, but I know it is. it definitely has to do with social media, but I'm confused at the hustle because there are so many college students right now with so many gifts and so many talents, and not all, but I've encountered a lot who really think that this like on-demand success is like five minutes away. And when you look at my life and the work that I've done, I have put in the work. You know, I've been an entrepreneur for 12 years. Um, I have got thrown into a whole nother field, had to study the field, had to learn the field, had to you know, really be able to understand how to develop and do things um, to make impact. And that took a lot of hard work. It took a lot of organizational factors. It took a lot of interpersonal communication skills and making sure that I was building healthy relationships and knowing the power of of what I carry. It took a lot of self-determination and self-discipline and self-motivation. And so when we think of, as a college student, I need you guys to think on these things always and not put this at the bottom of the totem pole. Put this in your mind as the top priority to landing a great job because you already are aware. And Fortune 500 companies right now are looking for highly self-aware people. These people are not afraid to mention their weaknesses and are, you know, they can also talk about their strengths, but they're not afraid to talk about their weaknesses. They're not afraid to talk about their limitations. And that is very important when you're going into a job setting. So why not take the time to learn it now? I encourage y'all to go get internships. It's still in style. Internships are still in style. You don't have to be looking glammed up every day at an internship. The hustle is still in style. The grind is still in style. Okay, because that right there, if you miss out on those critical skills, you're going to be looking crazy when you get in the real world and somebody's telling you to do something because you're going to not want to do it and you're not going to want to be disciplined to do it and you're going to get fired really quick because someone else will do it. I know a couple of students that graduated and had this mentality and went in the real world and they're on their almost their third or fourth job now and they try to wonder, why do I keep getting fired? Why do I keep, it's because of the attitude. You have no hustle. You have no discipline. You have no self-management skills and you didn't practice these skills in school. And you thought that you was going to get out of college and someone's going to hand you a job because you got a degree. Do you know how many people have a degree in this world? Do you know how many people have a degree? 
So you have to stand out. The reason why I got my first job, my first and only job that I worked a corporate job was because they saw China on my resume. They saw TWC on my resume. They said, oh, this girl is about this life. She wants something more for herself. And we know she would do outstanding in this job because I proved it on my resume. This is your opportunity to get tag along with a mentor. Find somebody that you can volunteer with. Be humble enough to know that you don't know it all. You're just learning. So I encourage you, my college students, my ones that I call grown-ish, you'll get there one day. But for right now, you must master these skills. You must get this hustle back. You must get the grind back. You must get the hunger back. Find what you want to do. Find your passion. Attach to it. Hold on to it. Read everything you can read. Find amazing articles. Take time to understand you know, your craft and learn it and know it so that you can be not only um, ready for an opportunity, but be prepared when the opportunity arises. And this was another episode of the Dangers of Mind podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate the show, and share with your friends. As always, keep dominating. This episode is brought to you by BlackSEL.org. Do you see confident people around you? Do you believe you display confidence consistently? How do you feel like confidence contributes to your performance? Join us as we discuss confidence in the workplace and how to know the value you carry and be confident in that. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and register. Seats are limited, so act fast.